I think what I've been trying to do more of is like hone in on the people I collaborate with and that like I get along really well with that understand the vision that trust mine and like Mm -hmm. working more directly with people like that. And so wherever that leads, like I'm happy to find out, but I just think it makes for like a better, more creative way of working, better peace of mind. Hello and welcome. I'm Kate, and this is the Freelance Founders Podcast, where we talk to creatives who have designed their own careers. We're so grateful to be able to interview these bright minds and share their incredible journeys with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Freelance Founders Podcast. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Savannah White, stylist to the stars, to magazines, and to so much more, and a very good friend of mine, Savannah, welcome. Hi, babes. I'm so excited to be on a podcast with you. This is so fun. This is really fun. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, let's just dive straight in. The first question I ask all of our guests is, what was your very first rate as a freelancer? I'm trying to kind of think, but it was... I mean, God, because let's be honest, I probably just to give like a bit of backstory, like, I don't know, freelance, probably fully God now seven to eight years. So think about this like eight years ago, but I would say somewhere between like $500 to style stuff, whether that was like maybe e-com, definitely lower if it was editorial, if paid at all. But I remember being like super stoked about like $500 like a day, but I would say it was anywhere from there. And if you were like making 650 to 700, you were like crushing it. But yeah, I would say like maybe 500 was like, I was like really like, whoa, that's a lot of money, but probably that when I started out. I feel like that's pretty good. I feel like a lot of us, we didn't really know what to expect and you didn't want to scare away clients and you wanted to build relationships. You really wanted to get your foot in the door. You wanted to build relationships because you're like by yourself. You have no one else really like vouching for you. It's yourself. So you're like, all right, let's do it. Let's let's I'll do it for 500. I feel like probably the majority of my career, I lowballed myself a lot because I think Like you said, I didn't ever want to deter someone. I was like, what if I give too high of a rate and then they just go to somebody else? And I didn't really know or have like that guidance to gauge like what I should be asking for. That a lot of times I like worked with whatever they gave me and never even really pushed back. That kind of takes me into like the era that you and I grew up in. I come from an editorial world. I started out in the editorial world and so did you. And we came from that era of like the free internship where you worked for free, maybe you got school credit. Some companies, if it was like a bigger corporate company, you got a couple hundred dollars for like the semester and you were psyched about it. And then the whole discrimination against free internships happened. And that was like the end of it. And everybody became a freelance assistant or freelance something. So do you feel like being part of that free internship era has made it harder for you to like know your worth when you first started out and hard to say no to work that was free because that's just kind of how we were trained. Did you find that for yourself when you first started freelancing on your own? 
When I first started, of course, because again, like just back what, I mean, I worked, like you said, I started an editorial. I had to wait tables at night to pay my bills. Like it was completely free internship. And I stayed for a long time thinking like that was like the course I wanted to take for my career is to be an editor of some kind. So like sticking it out. So all of it was free. And then when you go freelance, it's so terrifying. I'm naturally a worrier in the sense of like, I'm not a good, I would say like a good freelance person. Like when I'm not working, like I'm constantly being like, when's my next job? What am I working on? That yeah, in the beginning of freelancing, I was just, just to get my foot in the door anywhere, I would take things. And a lot of the times it would still be free. It'd be assisting people for free on editorials, taking extremely low rates on like, sometimes what would be kind of commercial stuff or branded content just to be able to like work with people. And again, being like, I'm so new that I was worried about like quoting what I thought I should be making just to be able to like get in front of people for people to find out who I was. So yeah, I think from our era of coming up in it, I think it took me a lot longer and it's still hard for me. Hence the ni- the nice point of having an agent in the sense of like, yeah. I don't have to do that negotiation anymore because that's one side of the business that I'm like not good at. Like I don't want to have to right. go create with people and also like negotiate rates. I right. feel like that's really uncomfortable for me still. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with just like the industry, like the time we came up with in the industry and working totally. you know, for free. It's one of those things One, maybe not knowing your worth first, right? And then you don't really want to negotiate because you're out at the same time. You're like, but what if they don't want to work with me? What if I like go too high? Like that's been a constant battle. Even when you go to school and you go to college. And I mean, I don't know for everybody, but for myself, I was an econ major, like, and I took some business classes, but we never really learned like how to negotiate or become comfortable talking about money. And it's, It's really interesting, especially being part of like a community like freelance founders, like how much everybody talks about this topic and like finding your rate and like, how do you know how to charge a rate? And what if somebody says no to what I'm proposing? I always thought about this because I worked free as an intern. I was the same way. I had, even when I had a full-time job in editorial, I was working two jobs. Like I was working at a boutique workout class studio in the mornings going to work. And then at night I would go work at like Aritzia in New York, you know, and I was (laughs) working like a dog, but Hey, you wanted to live in New York. You had to like make the money, you know? And so, yeah, I just always thought it was such an interesting way to look at it from the way that some of us were raised up in our own industries. I mean, I can't speak to that for other industries, but like the fashion industry, definitely there was that time where it's like you put in the work. That was the way of proving yourself. I appreciate your insight on all that because it's it's something that I don't think is really talked about very much either. So you started it out in the editorial world and now you're a stylist. Can you just kind of take us through how you decided to go that route? How did you get into all of this and how did you decide I want to go to the styling route? Long story, like quicker version of it. Yeah, I'm from Arkansas. My senior year of college, it was you start thinking about getting internships. And me, just from being from a small town, it was more so like I didn't get a degree in fashion or anything. It wasn't something I was even necessarily seeking out. It was from being from a small town and being like, I know that there's more and just like wanting to go to a big city and experience that. And so I put in applications like everywhere, LA, Chicago, New York for internships. And I got an internship at Stella McCartney doing PR. 
And I came for a summer and loved New York, did not like doing PR necessarily. So I stayed, did my full internship for the three months, went back home, and then immediately was like, what am I doing? Like, I can't stay. And like literally two months later, sold all of my stuff, flew back, got an internship at Marie Claire at the time. And that's when like the whole kind of editorial journey started. And again, it was just like, whatever doors opened, I was like willing to explore. I never was like specifically seeking out something. I was kind of open to it. I got the internship, started there, was there for so long, like in the closet, just as a fashion assistant in the closet, moved over because I'd been there to start helping with market. Just because I'd been there, they kind of like started sending me around to things. And I remember I would go on set sometimes as like just the point person for Marie Claire and whatever freelance stylist they were bringing in to style covers. And I remember just like asking around because at the time the restaurant I was working at was like about to close. And I was like, I don't want to get another job outside of fashion that doesn't pay. Like my goal now is I have to find a paid job in fashion. Right. So... This is at the time when like e-commerce and like flash sites are kind of becoming this thing. And like, you know, Mr. Porter and Etta Guilt Group, all of these different companies. And so a stylist there was like, do you have any interest? Like Guilt Group is like looking for assistant stylists. I think like you would qualify. So I was like, okay, cool. So then that created this whole other kind of journey of, I started assistant styling there for like a year, like Josh Petzkowitz, Sarah, Nick Wooster, all of us were there. So that's kind of like where that started. But again, it was all like, I didn't know anything. Like I was there for a year. I knew being in a corporate environment wasn't for me, no matter if it was styling or anything, like the politics behind it. I've just never been someone that thrives in that environment. And a year and a half after being there, I was like, I'm going to try and just go freelance. But then again, the little bit of knowledge anybody gave me was like, you should try and build a portfolio, you know, like start styling, doing test shoots. And so I kind of started doing that. And really, I hate to say, like, this is just kind of how it's all worked out. Like, that was the starting point of it. I went freelance. I would still assist people. Only a few people that I really wanted to assist. It also left guilt. And, like, some went to GQ and, like, other places I would assist on shoot still. And then slowly just kind of started finding my own work and have literally been freelance ever since, which is really wild. You and I have a very similar path. I come from a small town, applied to every single like internship or anything I could get my hands on. But then I was like, I'm coming from Michigan (laughs) and I'm competing against thousands of other people that are applying for these internships at Vogue and at any company. And then um, I ended up going out to New York and I went to school and got my foot into the, but I did do my first internship was at Thomas Pink for PR. And I was like, this is not for me. And then I ended up at Details Magazine, RIP. We love the Details crew, but it was the same thing. And then, you know, I thought I wanted to go into styling, but I loved so much more the like production side of it. And I feel like there's so many of us that went on that same path through like, okay, do we want to do PR? Because I feel like at the time that was what everybody was doing. It's like the only internship I knew of. Like I even being from a small town, to be quite honest, had no idea like what styling really was or that that, like you made a living from it. It was like those were the internships that were offered up on like all the sites. It was always PR. Like it was never like anything else or like marketing of some kind. So I was like, well, I just want to go to like a big city. How do you really differentiate yourself from everybody else? Like what makes you stand out compared to somebody else? 
it's hard sometimes not to get in that mindset or overwhelmed. And like, I guess remind myself to like operate from a place of abundance and not scarcity. Like there genuinely are so many stylists. Like I know so many stylists and then there's so many that I've not heard of. And Mm -hmm. somehow we're all working. There will always be work. Whether I feel like there's something like specific that makes me stand out, there's obviously... I don't know that I would be like, this is my thing. And this is my like niche thing that I have that somebody else doesn't have. But there's obviously a quality to like my work and just who I am as a person that is like continued to make me successful or like stand out just in that. Like there's a reason people want to work with me that I don't know, like is is kept me successful in this and able to pay my bills. It definitely has kept you successful because I want to get into your portfolio. It's beautiful. I would love to hear a little bit more about like what have been some of your favorite, not I know that you don't like to pick favorites, but what have been some of your like favorite jobs to work on? Because you've done e-com, you've done the commercial advertisements, you've done fashion shows, you've done music videos, you've done films, you've done so much different type of styling. So I would love to just hear a little bit more about like what has been some of your favorite projects. A lot of it has actually ended up being the film work I've done. Mainly, like you mentioned, the film I worked on. Yeah, now it's been four years ago. Like, I think Mm -hmm. 2018 was just crazy. And I think it's so important to me because, one, I don't think it got enough recognition. So people go watch it. (laughs) It's called High Resolution. But I remember almost not taking that job out of genuine fear that I had never done like costume design at that level or like a film. And I I didn't know like the ins and outs of how that worked. I'd done commercial and music videos, but like being on set for three and a half weeks to a month, I was like, I don't know. And I remember being scared of, well, if I take this one project being freelance, what if I get hit up by other people during working on this film and then I have to say no and they don't want to work with me again? So right. I had that worry being freelance and then also just whether I could do it or not. I, I remember telling the producer because the, the producer that brought me on for that was like, we want someone from an editorial background. Like there's so much fashion that is the focus of this film. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And I pretty much said no. And she like overly talked me into it. She's like, it'll be great. I did it. And I just think it was such an accomplishment and like proof to myself that I'm like capable of doing something at that and being like scared and saying yes is sometimes some of the most gratifying things we can do for ourselves. So I think that film was really important for me to just like prove to myself that I can do anything within this industry and adapt and figure it out. I've worked on some really cool music videos. I did a music video with James Blake and Rosalia, which was like, I mean, epic. And again, I want to point out with that, I said yes to that job to style background. (laughs) So I said yes to that job to style background talent. This is how, like, I guess, like, I have no ego involved. This was only like, what, a year and a half, two years ago, like, Well into my career, I was like, you know what? Yeah, like, because like, it's still a big music video. I wanted to get in with this production company. So sometimes you have to still be strategic and like put ego aside. Like, I'm not too good to do most things. I think that that's important. And because I look at it from different angles. Yes, was the money going to be great? No, huge artist. I'm going to meet this incredible production company. Ends up, I styled the video and they were like, hey, James needs a stylist. So just by putting myself in that situation, then I did then up styling the video. 
in its entirety. And so that was really cool because I'm just like a huge fan and he's so lovely. And that, that was like really, and then Rosalia was like blowing up at the time, which is crazy. I don't know. I've worked on a lot of really cool music videos. Um, a more indie artist, this guy Moses Sumney, who's won a lot of awards for this music video we did, which was so beautiful. I would say some of that. I did, in terms of editorial, again, I work with a lot of, I feel like, talent. I don't do a lot of model right. editorial right. styling. Right. Um, and one, I think I do work well in that environment. I don't know if it's more of a personality thing, but I think for whatever reason, I, I get along quite well with like talent and vibe in that way. And it's a lot of music artists. And I did um, a music artist issue for Law Official at the time, like this is two years ago now. And it was like, we did Mark Ronson, Normani, yeah. like all kinds of crazy people. And I styled everyone in that for that like section of the issue. And I remember that being feeling like that was such a huge accomplishment and like really cool. I also love the fact that you are big on putting your ego aside and saying yes and like rolling up your sleeves and you're like, why not? There, there's an opportunity there just to get my foot in the door with that production company. I've worked on a few things with you and... I'll just never forget, like, you and I... I would say the same about you. I feel like, yeah. again, we come from a similar background, and we will put on many hats to, like, get the job done. And it's rare totally. to still find people like that. And so, like, I just genuinely appreciate it. And, like, yeah, so when we collab together, I feel like we thrive because of that. I think it's something that not everybody can do. I think sometimes people are like, oh, but if I do this, it's not going to push me forward. But... I feel like the lesson to learn is that look at the bigger picture, look at everybody involved. And if there's one person or one element of it that excites you, then you should do it. And you should like set that ego aside, set the money set part aside. Like these are things that could really advance your career down the line and looking long-term, not so short-term. So my question for you as a stylist, you're very creative you have to be up to date with everything that's going on in the industry. How do you stay inspired? Like when you're working with a client or if you're working on a music video, or I know with, with editorial, you kind of have like a season and a, a little bit of a direction, but how do you stay inspired to come up with like fresh new ideas for the shoots? I mean, it depends on what I'm working on. If it's music video or like film stuff, there's obviously a treatment if I like open up a treatment from somebody and I'm like really inspired by that or excited by like where they visually want to take things. And then it's like growing off of that board, me adding like the wardrobe section into that. So a lot of times it's being inspired first by visuals I'm seeing from like other collaborators on the job. And then in terms of with people, cause I do like some personal styling and stuff too. Being back in New York, I mean, you, you, I get inspired by like people on the street. It dress really great. Music. I don't know. A lot of it is like intuition still though. Like just in like what I think like works for somebody vibing with them off of like their direction. I really enjoy like just execution. If somebody has like this idea, like I'm inspired to like really just execute and be able to like bring someone else's vision to life. The environments I'm in. Music, friends keep me inspired by things. And then who I'm collaborating with. If I'm like seeing treatments right. and stuff that I get really excited about, then that takes me to a world to be able to pull my own references for wardrobe and like, you know, build upon this project. Because I, I think that's one of my favorite parts about the job is collaboration. You wouldn't be able to do everything on your own. 
And I feel like sometimes, yeah. like, especially because I do such a wide range of work, like you'll get sucked into commercial stuff, which like I'm grateful for. We all know that's like what pays the bills most of the time. But sometimes there isn't a lot of allowing to, to express yourself creatively through wardrobe. So it's nice when you find clients or people that like truly trust you and are like hiring you based on like liking your work and like just allowing right. you to do what you do. So you recently were brought on to Brick Magazine as the fashion director. Congratulations. And they're based in the UK, correct? London. Okay, very cool. So where do you want that to take you? Is this something you're super excited about? And like, is this something that you would go completely full time with? Yeah, it's really cool. And this is another situation I feel like just to perfectly like kind of explain the putting yourself in situations because you don't really know where it'll go. Again, I work with a lot of music artists. I feel like Brick is music-based like profiling magazine. There's definitely a larger fashion element to it now, which has is, is been really cool to see that evolve. So I started maybe a few years ago just freelancing. They would bring me on. I met with Haley. She's one of the founders Haley used to just bring me on to freelance and like right. um, style like different shoots for them for different issues. And I like really got on well with Haley and Sam. I styled a few editorials for them. I, I made the suggestion that like took, you know, over a year to probably like come to fruition. But then like now I'm working with them in a larger capacity. I think it's really cool because again, like just to see it evolve. And so like, I don't know what working for brick like means for me for the future. I think what I've been trying to do more of is like hone in on the people I collaborate with and that like I get along really well with that understand the vision that trust mine and like working more directly with people like that. And so wherever that leads, like I'm happy to find out, but I just think it makes for like a better, more creative way of working, better peace of mind that I've really said this year that I'm like, I don't want to work on things that I'm just like not inspired by or just to get a paycheck and that's like depleting and things like that. And so I think being brought on was like a, a huge honor because like, I love what they do. They crush it. The team is so small and I don't even know how they get the talent that they get just to be even involved and in like helping further. That is really cool. Um, and I think a large part of like what I want to continue to do is being more thoughtful about like who I'm working with more closely and we'll see. I completely agree. I feel like that's kind of the theme from when I'm talking to people and like, not only on this podcast, but then also in just life, like other people that have their own agencies or are freelancers, they're like, I think we're just all getting to the point where it's like, we all work so hard and we're doing this and we're working for ourselves because that's the beauty of it. We get to choose, pick and choose at this stage now. I mean, before I wasn't, but we get to choose who we want to work with and what inspires us and what work inspires us. And I think we sometimes forget that because we're we're like, oh, we just need the paycheck. But then that paycheck might not be that much and it could not be the best project to be working on. And I think we've all been in that position before. And it's just learning from your mistakes. This year for me, it's like, I really want to work with people that my values align with theirs. And like, we are all like, treated with respect and we all are aligned and we have so much fun collaborating. It's not, it doesn't even feel like work. It feels like we're all just working on something that has a bigger purpose. 
You mentioned that you have an agent, you're with the wall group and you haven't been with them for the entirety of your freelance career. This is more of like a recent move. So I would love to know a little bit more about like the difference between being with an agent now versus being on your own. The wall group is such a reputable agency and it has so many talented people and it must be incredible to be a part of it. Could you just share a little bit more about like how it's helped your career thus far? I signed with them. I'm not kidding. Like right before the pandemic. And I remember signing being like, amazing. I'm like 2020. Like I've got an agent and here we are. But yeah, I like up until that point, six ish years, I'd been doing everything on my own invoicing, like running my business, everything. And was getting really, really busy, but then also kind of being like, how do I at this point continue to elevate this and like grow this and be visible to more people? And like, what does that look like? And I took a lot of different agency meetings. Nothing felt right. I think like it's a genuine relationship like that you have with somebody else. I mean, because they're representing you and like, I was so used to being like the point person on emails and like discussing things. So it's kind of scary to give up that control a little bit, or at least it was for me. But anyway, so then I went in and I met with wall group. And what's funny is I had met with them twice. Like I met with a different agent, maybe two years prior, they weren't necessarily looking to take anybody on kind of kept it open and then met with them again and ended up like I had a good feeling. And I was like, you know what, let's just try this. I've managed my career. I know that's possible, but let's see what's possible to have an agent, you know, behind this. And, and like you said, like wall group is incredibly reputable and was a huge accomplishment to be signed. And I think what it does for your career, there is this level of like legitimacy that it like adds to be able to be like, I'm signed to an agency that I think being independent or on your own sometimes doesn't provide. I also think it's helped in like a lot of ways that I'm, and I know this sounds like just so businessy, but even from that standpoint of being taken seriously or like contractually signing things, not knowing what that means, like not getting myself in situations now that I am working on larger projects without like knowing exactly what that means. Negotiation is done on my behalf. All of those more business things that like, free me up to just be creative and focus on that and not being like, Oh God, I've got to go back to someone and talk to them about rates or someone didn't pay me in time. And now I've got to go like heckle someone that I also want to work with again. And that's awkward. So just from that standpoint, that stress or pressure is like freed me up because you have somebody else on your behalf, like looking out for you. And so that's nice because it just, you know, I book things and I'm allowed to literally go and like be creative and like all of the logistical stuff is handled on my behalf. So what's next for you? What's Savannah White working on? I had a moment the other day, actually, and as hard as freelance is, it's kind of amazing. I'm really grateful for the opportunities I have. And it's just more was more of like the caliber of kind of talent I want to be working with and the teams and things are good. Just working. Okay. So now these are the last three questions. And I ask everybody these first is when you're on your own, it's really hard to measure success and everybody measures it, measures success in different ways. First off, what does success mean to you and how do you measure it? I'm so hard on myself. Do you know what I mean? And so like, I don't take a whole lot of time to like be 
excited about things I've done, which needs to change because I've done some really amazing stuff and have some awesome opportunities. I mean, I guess like if I had to measure success now and like really just wanted to be thankful for what I had, then yeah, I'm like successful. I mean, I'm from a teeny tiny town in Arkansas and like who would have ever thought and I'm just like figuring it out as I go. But I don't know. I think, yeah, success is such a personal thing to everybody and it doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. And I feel successful. I've got great friends. I have a place to live. I'm still working in the midst of like a pandemic that is far from over, it seems like. And so I would say I'm I'm successful. I think it's like counting certain things, more smaller things than this larger overarching, because like we're always going to be striving and working for more. If I'm not reaching these just like huge goals that I've set for myself or I'm like looking at time and my age and being like, I'm not necessarily where I thought I would be. But then it's like, it's really is important to break it down into smaller things that you're like, well, two years ago, I wasn't working on these type of editorials or I wasn't doing this. So there is progress, whether it feels like it or not. So I, I need to work personally on acknowledging those things more because yeah, that is the exactly that is success. Okay. So I, Not everybody has a mantra or a tagline. My mantra or my tagline that I always tell people when they enter into the freelance world is never let your highs be too high and never let your lows be too low. Do you have a mantra or a tagline that you like share with people or tell yourself? I would say under promise, over deliver. (laughs) I love that. Manage those expectations, but really Under like... Under promise, over deliver. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's good, right? I was like on a project recently. I can't take full ownership of that. There's this really funny producer and we were, I don't know, we were just talking about shit like that. And we were we were saying that and I was like, damn, that's like a really good way to approach crunch. You're like, under promise, over deliver. That is a great one. You should own that one for the rest of your career. And then to bring it all back... Full circle. I asked you what your first rate was when you first started out. Can you tell us your ballpark rate current day? $122,000. No, I'm just kidding. $1,200 to $3,000, $4,000. For a project. Or like I would say like your same day rate. Yeah, let's say starting out. Let's say like $1,200 to whatever you got that's higher than that. Well, Savannah, thank you so much. This has been so fun chatting with you. And we really greatly appreciate you being on the podcast. And we're so excited to have you on it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my chat with Savannah White. You can find out more about Savannah by visiting her website at savannahbwhite.com. To learn more about freelance founders, head over to our website, freelancefounders.com and follow us on Instagram at freelancefounders. We hope you'll share, subscribe, rate, and review the Freelance Founders Podcast, which is available for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much and have a great day.